Hello and welcome to the Billowing Hilltop podcast. We've got another extended episode for you this week. Something a little bit different. We'll see how we get on. As always, we'd love to hear from you on social media or you can email us at hello at billowinghilltop.com. And as always, I know I ask every week, we would love a rating or review from you on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts or whatever, anywhere. Write it on something and, I don't know, um, put it in your trousers. That's it. I've got no other news or information. So let us push on with episode 128 of the Billowing Hilltop podcast. A new chapter of Saba. To see the wizard. We're off to see the wizard. The wonderful wizard of Dunge. <laughs> the wizard um, of Dunge. This is good. So I missed the really key uh, episode, didn't I? Yeah, yeah, where we got all the magic. Yeah, Went it was up amazing. Where you kill the Edelever boss. And then... When you hear that. Edelever boss. No. No. <laughs> you missed it. Anyway, I'll tell you who we haven't got. Uh, even fun. though we have got Johnny, welcome back, Johnny. Welcome back to the command pod. Thank you. Ease yourself into your especially a He found his way. Chair. We don't appear to have Graham. No. Oh, why don't we? Why don't we? Have can't Graham? quite tell. But from what well, we, we can tell, he's not quite here. Tell. He says he's ill, but I note that the Gooners are playing Oxford. Is there a football match on the FA Cup tonight? <laughs> 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 so I imagine he'll just manage to struggle from his sick bed. So who's winning <laughs> sessions? Let's worry about that when we get oh, there. Oh, God. If we ever get there. Uh, I, why didn't we go up a level? Shambles. You didn't go up a level. The thing is, we killed the end of the level boss. Or you killed the end of the level boss. Under levels. So we should, the should end go of up a level. Mm. That's not... But the there's one though. very important thing that needs to be said. Yes. It's currently Monday the 9th of January. Happy New Year, everyone. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a, no, it's not. It's sometime just, in February. Some undetermined just time in weirying, March, isn't it? It just, cr- Monday just grinds the you down, doesn't it? Of January. It, it, it's yeah, I think you're 2023. Fine. We're not going to get into the whole what day is it shenanigans. It's not. <laughs> right. So it's going to be a shambles <laughs> yep. this evening because I think it's always a shambles. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, readers, this is a very different Super kind of shambles. episode about to get into. Super shambles. If, Super you shambles. Think, if you think that there have been long passages of shambolic play in our previous recordings, this Just evening they set a new bar. Yeah, and I kind of think that not having Graham here... Isn't going to help. It's not going to help because he's Mr. Rules Master. Yeah, and, he, and sense of kind of balance and... He understands balance. He understands... He's a steady he's a recap. No. In a minute, in a minute. He's got a wise, reasonable voice in a yeah. discussion, right? And he understands the rules back to front. And so he would be a very useful person potentially later on. We'll get into that in mm. a minute. Once we've done a recap, when you're trying to worry. fiddle your way through the uh, ship. Well, combat. we're going to. We're, Dan's going to hate this. Yeah, I, I, I have. Gonna yes, you're going to hate this because the rules aren't there to be exploited. Right. So, anyway, let's get it. Let's let's get to that later. Let's start with somebody, uh, Dan. Can you put on the special gloves and reach deep, uh, please? I don't, deep into Paul's. I don't want to. Capacious you told me I'd never have to bag. do that again. Well, I like. Horrible. In you go. Uh, oh yeah. dear! What's that? I don't, no, no, no! Oh dear! Disgusting. Okay, I'm sure that will um, that'll that'll dry into a crust, which you <laughs> can sweep off later. Slightly dried. Anyone got a cloth? Two. I have, but I don't want to leave it at you. <laughs> need a good dusting. The first email is from somebody who didn't want to be identified. Unsurprisingly. <laughs> uh, we're going to call them just W. Right. 
Uh, I have to say that this is the best D&D. I mean, this is, by the way, this is just the gift that keeps on giving this email. Thank you, W. I have to say that this is the best D&D podcast out there. That is a strong opening. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I do wonder whether or not there's been a mix up, by the way, at this point. The storyline is enthralling. Ah, the group so close to when I used to play. Love the passing references to the Far Show, Monty Python, Blake Seven, HHG. I've never seen any of it. Is that Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? Ah, I could tell. Other nerdy references. I have re in this bit. I mean, frankly, it astonishes me. I have restarted from episode one again. What? Because it's so unintelligible. <laughs> he's going to try and work out As- what we were saying. <laughs> As I need a regular fix to get me through the week, I find that quite extraordinary. <laughs> da, 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 da. Uh, I top tip: I have found that trying to roll the bad rolls out of a dice isn't as reliable as keeping your d20 and other dice on one. This means the dice is ready for its maximum score when rolled and reduces the probability <laughs> of a fumble. Oh, I have pre-rolled yes. dice, bad, Johnny. This is for bad. you. <laughs> I have pre-rolled dice available at fasting. There you go, science, Johnny. <laughs> science. That's <laughs> messing with Johnny's head, isn't it? W then followed up their email with more detail on the pre-rolled dice at vast expense. I don't know that we want to get into it too much, but pre-rolled dice, he's got D20s, five rolls below 10 in a row. So he's got (laughs) dice that have just come up with less than, yeah, less than 10, Johnny. Five in a row, yeah. Yeah. Would you like to buy one of them? A hundred quid. Genius. Say that again. Say that again. He's got, so he's got, he's he's prepared to sell you a dice that he's (laughs) pre-rolled. It's come up. With five <laughs> sub ten numbers yeah, in a row, much. that's brilliant. So it hasn't been rolled again. It's got to be sent a little parcel with a gyro or gimbal to keep it in the same position. <laughs> I told you this email was the gift that kept on giving. Brilliant. How much? Hundred quid. Hundred quid. Hundred quid. No, that's too much. Three hundred quid buys you one that's done ten rolls below ten in a row. It's too much. Eh? Mm, it's not going to have a market with that sort of thing. Okay, well, you won't want the other one either then. Not that price. Anyway, that's it. Do you think? Do you think there is uh, a market for that sort of thing? It needs to be cheaper. Sorry, I know the market. Our bespoke rolling service is available on request. <laughs> Please contact us for further details. <laughs> and he's also sent in some testimonials. I mean, come on, my whole gaming experience is so much more fulfilling, <laughs> knowing I have cashed in on my luck. First roll was a save, followed by five more saves in a row. What are the odds of that? (laughs) I followed the boost your luck bonus idea by resting dice. After resting it on one, I got a 19. (laughs) Early days yet, but I am amazed. (laughs) I mean, there are. You give it time to to recharge. (laughs) Love it. What a waste of money, I thought, until I started exploring resting and pre-rolling probabilities. <laughs> I am amazed. As a statistician, I conducted various tests, including analysis of variance. The results were conclusive. <laughs> and so forth. Marvellous. I went for the top of the top, pre-rolled 50 under 10. My custom-requested dice was delivered in a gyroscopic gimbal. <laughs> I used it for the first time for a critical high DC saving throw. It worked! I saved! I have returned it lovingly to its gimbal, rested on one, awaiting my next success. And there you go. W, by the way. Literally, this is half a show, W. Thank you. Uh, w sent in their highlights so far. All right. They like the flaming sword of potato baking, mm-hmm. <laughs> Ort dice, Hesty Testapod Satsumas, Posh Lizard Men, Doppelganger Confusion, The Games and Hooves, Alessandra's Sneaky Scouting, and The Long Range Shot on the Beholder. That's you, Paul. Oh, yeah. Big him up. Mm. 
hard. Maybe Alessandra should have gone, gone the trickster off, rather than the assassin now. route. Mm. Uh, they say, yeah, yeah. I don't know about that. yeah. Anyway, there we you're go. You're just basically you're just trying to fill an episode where you don't actually have to do anything because you haven't prepared anything. No, eyes are very well. No, it's just no, just like the calendar and the solar system and all that stuff. <laughs> the submarine totally combat realized. rules are ironclad, Dan. Golden. I believe Dan. I believe you. You were referred to on social media this week, Dan, as a socialist Aslan, (laughs) which I do like. By who? What does that mean? By me. We had another email (laughs) from Pat. Hi, lads. Stumbled onto the podcast a few days ago and couldn't be happier. Really looking forward to binging through the next few months or realistically weeks. Super glad to see you're still recording. Thank you, Pat. Just wanted to ask you how you went about running Age of Worms through 5e. Has the conversion been done in advance, on the fly, or did you grab one of the online pseudo-conversions that I've seen around? Yeah, it's written on the fly. Some of it is done on the fly. Some of it is done... On the beat. Sort of on the... Uh, other bits are on the spider. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I found a really useful resource on the web. Um, no. uh, the, <laughs> the serious answer, Pat is that there is a, a conversion by somebody called Brian Criswell. I will put the link to EN World where it's hosted in the show notes. Also, some of the stuff gets built, as it were, from scratch. And then I have to admit, a lot of it is just done as we go. Also, we've rather heavily tweaked the adventure as we've gone with our own elements. So, you know, anyway, thank you, Pat. That's the answer to your question. Let's move on to the fact that we are starting book eight. Book eight of the Age of Worms. It is called The Prince of Red Hand. Uh oh. And it is written by Richard Pett. And Richard uh, Pett yes. wrote the Skinsaw Murders mm. in Rise of the Rune Lords. Obviously, before he did that, he did this because this is from prehistoric days. And I think we will find this a very different experience to the last book. Well, I know we will. Mostly because, Johnny, it is your absolute favorite thing. It is role play. Heavy. Hurrah. At last, your favourite. I want to hit something. Red Hand is the name of the collection of kingdoms and loosely affiliated territories north of the Lake of the Cold Sky. Ne'er-do-wells, bandits, pirates, barbarians that coexist in a very uneasy state of armed truce. Frostanger is a separate city-state on the shore of the Lake of the Cold Sky under the rule of a person called Prince Zeech. Prince Zeech used to pay fealty, pay homage to the conclave of the cupola, to the marshal of Evenstar, but no longer does. 20 years ago, Prince Zeech seceded from any arrangements that Frostanger had with the hinterlands and with Evenstar and all of that, and went his own way. That is the background. I just wanted to give you all of that stuff, because I think some of that came across when you were talking to Markush. But his action is so impenetrable that perhaps some of that was missed. Anyway, there we are. That's where we're off to. Uh-huh. Shall we talk about some house rules? Yes. Okay. Anybody got any? Yes. <laughs> if you- yeah, I think yeah. basically if your name begins with D, you should go up a level. <laughs> yeah, okay. If your surname, okay. that includes your surname. That's well, we talked a bit about it online. Is uh, Make the death saves. Easier to die. It's because turkeys voting for Christmas. Silly. You can't. Can't really quite hard what to do die, think, isn't it? Near a higher level, but it's virtually impossible. So some of the ideas, I think, should make it a bit harder, a bit more first edition-y. So maybe two two death saves instead of three. I quite like not being it's able to die so easily. 
I don't know. There are there are ways to die. If you if the DM wants to kill you, they kill you. I'm not sure you need a house rule. You can have your face bitten up by happen. a roper. Well, yeah, at that level, died. it was possible. When you were like second, third level. Yeah, that's that but that's basically that was... the nub of it, isn't it, Johnny? It's just like you're feeling a little yeah. exposed as the only person who's lost a character. Yes. Yeah. yeah. There has been chat about this on social media as well recently, which is one of the reasons that it's in my brain. People have suggested different things. One house rule is that the death save rolls made by players are just between them and the DM, and other players don't know whether or not they have made their save or failed their save. That's interesting. It is interesting tactically, because it Mm. means that people have to gamble, gumble, or whether or not their downed comrade is in, you know, they just don't know whether they're in good nick or bad nick. The problem, I'm afraid, is that actually, practically, how do you do that? Let's just say somebody makes their death save. I know the number, they know the number. And then they think, well, hold up, wait a second, I could use my halfling luck to, do you see what I mean? People will be able to infer a lot about whether or not people are taking a long time to discuss stuff. Yeah. And they'd be metagaming around that. It'd be metagaming squared. Yes, exactly. Metagame squared. Can but you, you just end up assuming that they have failed? So you'd always assume the worst because you couldn't do any otherwise. Well, I think there would be a bit of that. Yes. The Boromir rule that we play, which is that you can keep crawling around and doing stuff, does that, I don't think that materially changes anything, does it? Not massively. I don't think it works, really. I mean, I was scuttling away at 35 foot around, I think. That's <laughs> that is true. <laughs> Didn't seem right. Maybe we could tweak that. I don't think we would you agree You could say that now. if you had we to could... move, then you would get some kind of, I don't think, I think disadvantage might be too bad, but you'd get like minus something on your roll. You could say you could only move at the expense of making another death save. Something like Move that. or yeah, attack or do anything. Cool. The problem with two death saves, Johnny, is ones and twenties. Yeah, so you might, you might die right away. Yeah, you might die straight away, and anything that hit you would kill you straight away. It is not a third more lethal. It is significantly more lethal. No orc dies on death saves. Yeah, I don't know what to suggest. What it is, is um, relentless endurance plus the death save mechanic plus the periaps of wound closure, plus death ward, plus the fact that you need to take minus your total hit points in damage in order to actually minus, peg it. I think minus your I think your we also need Graham for this score. discussion as well. Yeah, well, there we go. Yeah, that's probably true. Okay, well, we haven't really decided upon anything then. Maybe we should park this little discussion to next time. I've got one, because I've been listening to another well-known podcast playing Blades in the Dark, Glass Cannon. I love Blades in the Dark podcasts they do. It's really, really funny. And there's this thing where you can do flashbacks. It's equivalent yeah. to Johnny's, but I would never have done that. You spend a point or whatever at a cost. You get to go, I would have done this instead, or I would have prepared this in advance. So it gives you uh, the benefit of hindsight. And I think it could be quite yes. fun. I think it could be fun in specific circumstances. I had a look at this, Paul. Yeah. I think in combat, I think it gets very complicated. The way that it's outlined in the material that I've read around the idea, yeah, it's a way of getting past that heist element where you have to go in and break into, I don't know, a bank or a whatever, and you have to steal something. And everybody spends two hours planning what they're going to do. Nobody does anything. Then you start and everything falls apart and it's all been a bit of a waste of time. The flashback mechanic in Blades in the Dark, you just start your raid. You start your bank robbery. and the point where you encounter 
the unexpected, the code, for example, a key code that's got to be entered on a door that you hadn't anticipated, it's then that the character will burn X number of points. There is a resource management mini game in order to run a flashback. And then in the flashback, they explain that their flashback is them acquiring the codes by stealing them out of the pocket of somebody in a tavern the night before, for example. But then you have to play that out and it has to go right or wrong. You jump to the sleight of hand roll where they are trying to steal the codes. And if they succeed, then they have the codes and they can get through the keypad and they can continue their heist. If they fail, then their flashback has not got them past that obstacle. Yeah, That's that basically where the flashback mechanic works. Yeah. It aids a certain kind of play, but I don't think it applies to I don't think we should apply it to combat, for example. It kind of gets rid of that paralysis of planning that we are If guilty people of. think it's an idea that's worth exploring, then if we hit a passage of play where the challenges might reward that kind of mechanic, I'm prepared to try it out. In terms of the death right. thing, I think it negative yeah. your full hit points to be dead is just ridiculous. It does. I think it should be it negative your constitution. Anybody else got any thoughts on this? You know, because someone's going to have to do another 140 points on me just to kill me outright after they take me down to zero. It's not going to happen. Yeah, but that large creature was doing that kind of damage. To be honest, though. Yeah. So, just might add a bit more uh, fear into the game. I don't see why this requires a rule change. If you get zapped by a prismatic spray and your result takes you onto another plane, You'd have to have quite a benevolent DM to say you're going to have a way back. It depends on the game that you want to play entirely. Mm. There are times when, as a DM, you're running a combat, one of the characters goes down, and you decide that that monster is going to hit one of the standing characters instead of the one that's down. That often happens. And if you wanted to, yeah. you could play. You could play it that they go to kill you. That yeah, these, that's these a good guys. point. And I, I've always played intelligence as the key attribute of a monster this came from a i think it was a 2e book that basically said intelligence is the key attribute if you've got a super intelligent monster mm. they can almost predict what the characters are going to do ahead of them doing it so you can have them you know if you fire a prismatic spray you can have some kind of defense already in place on the, on the monster because that because they're so intelligent yeah. so super intelligent i mean i think the, i think the main thing Likewise, would be about i mean the, if you yeah, can have cars, you can have some monsters. monsters at which are just like they get, you know if it's a zombie it's going to eat you it's there to eat you it doesn't care whether you're moving it just wants to eat you i wonder how much of that is me being nice and how much of it is just the circumstances and i can't unpick it in my mind where we've had down characters i do tend to roll a dice yeah for the way that monsters act so that it's not a question of me knowing everything about every character and what situation they're in and then exploiting that i don't know but you're but right i, deci- I decide you're right. before no, you're right. an in- i an decide before I encounter yeah. the way the monsters will behave if they're super intelligent yeah, they behave they're... like this if they're zombies they're going to eat whatever is in front of them yes that's fair enough well maybe we can have following a bit, on we... from what dan but... said you know in in a sense whether or not your characters survive a dungeon is also in in the end it's also up to the dm yeah. If you decide you want to stack it against the characters, then the characters are going to die, whatever. I don't know, Lucas, because the issue there, of course, is that it's not really not sporting, right? I mean, yes, of course, I could do, <laughs> I could do whatever I want, right? Well, I would witness the uh, upcoming exciting submarine combat rules. <laughs> but to be fair, but, Mike, to be fair. Uh, yeah, but, but so what but I'm If saying you hit the, somebody with a plane change spell and you yeah. roll randomly, the chances are he would it, have ended up on the astral plane or the ethereal plane. I don't think you do roll randomly under the spell okay. description. 
And there was a story reason for it. Too. I know. I know exactly. There's a story reason for him to, to end up where he did. I understand that. I don't know that the buggy plane change is a particularly good example of what we're talking about. I think Hinchhead, we've had a couple of instances. It's mm. difficult to get... Ort dice are the problem, right? The problem here is Ort dice. Yes. But I can't remove them because I like them. But Ort dice are the issue. It's a very finely balanced system, albeit a much more merciful system. Adding in the Ort dice has made it just too forgiving by one yeah. little bonus dice roll. What tends to happen is if D&D is really dangerous, it slows play down because characters become, or players become more yes. cautious. Yeah. And yes. so at the moment, we pile around everywhere and just sort of get, get through stuff, albeit much slower than everybody else seems to get through stuff. But we, there's not that sort of pause. We're, that, I, we're, we're, we're zooming along. We're zooming along. I think we are. We've released 120, I think this is episode 128 or something like that. And we're hitting book eight. We might finish this under under two hundred. Oh God, that's what we're going to do after that. Probably nothing. But we we're not we're not doing that badly, you know. Three years. It took the glass cannon. How many episodes, Paul, to do Giant Slayer? Three hundred and three hundred and fifty odd. It took them about five years. Yeah, it's not going to take us five years. I think there does have to be there does have to be risk. That there's part. Right, of the if there's game. no peril, precisely. Yeah. I think what we're talking about here is peril. Yeah. It doesn't seem to me. On balance, though I am loath to tinker with this stuff, that there is sufficient peril in this game to make the combats exciting because they feel sometimes a little bit of a procession in that nobody's really particularly in any danger. And then some awful and magical comes along. Yeah, at high levels. What's actually going to happen, of course, is that the nasty stuff is getting progressively nastier. Mm. That is my deliberate policy. Yeah. Right. Shall we have, for the benefit of Johnny, a recap. Yes, please. Go on them. We went back, we killed the thing, we what? came back. The tentacle. We got in a thing. submarine. Yeah. The arm thing. I, I thought no, you we ran away from the tentacle. We didn't we did. kill the tentacle thing. You bailed after a bit of kind of jousting with this thing. You bailed. Why? We went back to. Why didn't we kill it? We decided it no, wasn't we worth kill killing it because we didn't need to. We thought we'd got what we came for. Yeah, we got the gem. The thing we came for was the, the, the shard, another shard. Uh, yes, correct. Crystal, yeah. You bailed through the vortex with the crystal. You encountered the weird greebly, Makar, the alien... On the material plane outside the vortex. Yes, it was waiting for you with a question as to why you had returned, bearing in mind that you were instruments of destiny. Mm. Yeah, it said it implied that we were going to bring about the Age of Worms. Yes. You started chasing it. It dimension-doored away when it realised that it was in proper trouble. You headed for the sea of worms alessandra made an amazing perception check and spotted it floating in the lake like down in the lake Hmm. broke the crystal the horrible greebly was basically dissolved in the lake you saw a vision of all of this prophecy stuff that you found so bemusing johnny and we can have a prophecy chat but we're not going to do it now because we we should play some D &D. and you were told which ones had come true and which ones had not and the ones that had not come true yet was something about a tripartite spirit and something about a hero of dread gifting a city to the dead. You teleported back out to Markush. His view is that you should go to Frosthanger and follow up on the clues in the little scrap of paper left by Rabadabadass. Of the Rabadabadop? The same. Do you know it? No. Uh, no. no. Huh. And Markush put his submersible at your disposal. You've boarded the Crimson Spockhockter. <laughs> mm-hmm. You've been assigned each a station on this thing. That is a sort of control point. Buggy is manning 
the orb of sight. Burple is manning the orb of deception. Sandy is at the helm. Parker is managing the armaments, is manning the armaments station. Bondi is sitting in the captain's chair. We'll worry about Bondi in a bit. And Sessions is stoking the hearth spirit, which is the kind of source, soul, and energy core of this entire device. Right. I have massively got the speed of this thing wrong, by the way. They've been talking about it taking 24 hours. I can't see how it could possibly take 24 hours. I think we just hand wave all of that. And you've been travelling for, I think, a couple of hours before Uncle Buggy spots three traces, unknown traces, out there in the depths, heading towards you rapidly. And that is where we left things. Uh Let's move to a different map. Oh, Hex. Question. Has anybody read the rules of sub-combat? As provided by the ones that I sent you? Yeah. Literally just now. Skimmed over. What are we going to do? What we're going to do is we're going to... We're we're just going to wing it. We're going to give this a go. As we've already discussed, this game is super non-lethal, right? So nothing (laughs) awful is going to happen. All you're doing is dulling us into a sense of security. No, no, no. This is all very well worked out, I'm sure. Uh, Readers, we are going to basically play out a combat in the lake of the cold sky, in the cold depths, between the Crimson Spockhockter and these three traces... And we don't have a combat system, readers. What we have got is we've got the Starfinder star combat system. I thought, this is going to be easy. I'll just take the Starfinder combat system, yeah? And just change it. I literally did a find and replace yes, <laughs> yes. on Starship with Sub. Right. And I thought, that's going to be... That's half the work done. I thought to myself, yes. not half the work done. It's a total nightmare. They have facing quadrants, shield strengths... <laughs> glitching i mean it's just extremely complicated so what i did was i got rid of all of that and what i'm left with is a pitiful <laughs> rump of rules that it's we can use kind of okay i think that we're going to be absolutely fine the most complicated thing is times in things by one and a half what's what's times in things by one and a half when you make saving throws or checks so engineering check dc 15 plus one and a half times the subs tier Oh, well, if I've left that in, we'll get rid of that. We're not going <laughs> to. We're going to work out what the saving throws and all of those checks and stuff are as to what seems logical at the time. You follow? Okay, yeah. We're going to talk about some general principles. First of all, when we look at skill checks, we are going to make full use of the principle in 5e that you can effectively narrate a reason why a different attribute is associated with the skill check. So, for example, one might say that if you are making a check to use the helm to manoeuvre this submarine, that one would be using dexterity as your core attribute. But I am perfectly happy to accept intelligence, for example, as a core attribute. Less happy to accept constitution. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Next principle is that in Starfinder Starship Combat, there are basically, when you break it all down and strip out all the complicated stuff that I have done, three phases. There's an engineering phase... There's a piloting phase, and there is a gunnery phase. We are going to follow that rule. So what we're going to do is we're going to say that at the beginning of a round, people who are stokers, that is sessions, unfortunately, (laughs) this is a problem, get to act. And they get to make a couple of choices about what they want to do. Happy? Uh Then we go through the pilot phase, where the people who are on the helms of craft or creatures if there's a creature out there as opposed to another submersible then that creature just makes an initiative check you then run in order the person who rolls highest 
moves last. Yeah. And then we have an equivalent of what they would call the gunnery phase, where everybody then makes their attack rolls. Like a simultaneous thing. Everybody does all of that. You work out the accounting from that damage, and then you flip round and you do another engineering phase. Is everybody happy about that bit? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Then we've got a set of stations that people can man. We've got the orb of sight. We've got the orb of deception. We've got the armament station. We've got the stoker, the person that looks after the hearth spirit in the furnace in the center of the sub. We have the helms person. And then we've got kind of a role for a captain. Well, we've got Bondi in the captain's chair. I'm not sure that we should confuse things with the captain. Bondi's an NPC. I've never liked the way that the captains work in Starfinder ship combat. So I just think we kind of ignore it. I agree. Right? Good. This is getting easier and easier by the moment. The subcombat is played out on a grid of hexes. What we've got on our map, dear readers, is a hex grid showing the lake of the cold sky, the cold depths of the lake. And we've got our sub, and we've got three traces, which represent the traces that Buggy can see on the orb of sight. So when a crew of a sub has hostile intentions towards another vessel, Uh they go to their battle stations, they activate their sub's orb of sight. It's obvious to other subs in the vicinity. Likewise, creatures will show up on the orb of sight. So you don't know that these signals that you're seeing on your orb of sight are other submersibles or creatures. Could be anything. But what you do know is that they're significant. They're not just fish, right? I mean, they're big things heading towards you. That's what I think we can agree. Oh, a couple of stats for your sub. Yeah. Your move is four, and the move of your torpedoes is eight. Okay. You can turn. You can just turn as you wish. Okay. What's the range of a torpedo? A torpedo's range is infinite. You've got two sets of weapons. You've got the torpedoes, of which you can fire two per gunnery phase, or the person managing the armament station can use what's called the chomper, which is the giant jaws on the front of the submarine. Yeah. And I think we can have a discussion at a certain point, if it becomes relevant, about whether or not you can operate both of them if you man that station with two people. Does that seem reasonable? I think that seems Mm -hmm. reasonable. Right. Let me find my brilliant rules. Can I just ask, where are we trying to get to? Well, you're going south to north. We're going south to north, okay. Let's not confuse people right. with those kinds of issues. Because it's, it's just that there's lots of hexes. It's a very large map. There's three mm-hmm. enemies and us, and we're all very far away from each other, so I was just wondering whether we just leg it. You're absolutely allowed to peg it. It would basically be a mercy, um, <laughs> a favour to all of us, including <laughs> the poor readership who have sat through something like an hour of us farting on We've about rubbish. <laughs> Nothing's actually happened. Yeah. Right, here we go. What we're going to do is start with engineering. The Stoker can make an engineering check. Sessions is basically being a hearth whisperer. Yeah. yeah. The hearth spirit can't take it anymore, Captain. <laughs> Thanks. Where that came from? You've been that'll never happen. There, haven't you? That'll never happen again. It just suddenly occurred to me that that's what it was. He can make a wisdom engineering check, which is basically just a straight wisdom check. DC 14. He can either use that to divert power to the engines, and then your speed increases by two. So it goes up from four to six. Mm. You can send it to the orbs, in which case all scry and masker actions, they take place during the piloting phase. That is basically detecting people and cloaking yourselves from people receive a bonus d4 this round like a blessed spell right or you can send it to the armaments in which case all attacks made by the sub this round get a 1d4 bonus you can repair the hearth spirit but there is no point in doing that and then the other thing that he can do and this is not relevant at the moment is that he can patch and what that means is he can basically take hit points from one system and put it into another system the way that the hit points i have determined (laughs) is just done 
this has done a little bit faster, <laughs> is that your submarine has got 200 hit points, right? Right. A hundred of those hit points are in the hull. Um, actually, it's got more than 200 hit points in fact. <laughs> no, I haven't. It's got a hundred. No, no, no. It's yeah. got 200. It's got 260 hit points, right? Okay. You sure? A hun- yes, a hundred of those hit points are in the hull. And then its balance of hit points are equally allocated between the systems. 40 in propulsion, 40 in life support, 40 in helm, and 40 in weapons. And those weapons hit points are split 20-20 between the chomper and the torpedo machine. It's called a torpedo machine, isn't it? (laughs) Whatever it's called. Tubes. Tubes. When you take damage, you knock off hull points. When you run out of hull points, you start taking damage in the systems and randomly determine which system takes the damage. Everybody happy with that? So you've got 100 hit points, as it were, of kind of buffer. Yeah. Sessions can heal those hit points back in the hull. Right, yeah. Sessions can move hit points from undamaged places to damaged places. One of the options open to a scryer is to target a specific system on an enemy vessel. It's an opposed check, but if you make it, you might be able to say, I'm going to, if we hit with this thing, it's going to hit their propulsion. Everybody happy with that mm. bit? Okay. How many torpedoes do we have? I don't know. <laughs> Let's say you've got eight Let's see, we've got enough. And they travel at eight. So we've got eight torpedoes and a, and one chomper, and we can fire two torpedoes in a round. That's right. Exactly right. Yes. When you wake up, torpedo, torpedoes do? That I'm not 100% certain of. Marvellous. <laughs> no, because I wanted to agree with you. Okay. Because it's all about proportionality. I think they should pack quite a punch. I think there should be kind of D6s of damage, and it should be quite a lot. Well, if it's under the hit If points, you take a torpedo straight in your propulsion, it should be, I think, on balance... We should say, like, average damage from a torpedo should be somewhere knocking on the total of one of the systems. So why don't we say 10d6? Average damage on 10d6 is 35. Mm-hmm. Let's do that. Okay. Also, if you score a critical, you don't double the damage or anything like that. You can pick a system to affect. Right. Okay. Anyway, what do Sessions want to do? Well, I think for now, masking is the thing we want to do, isn't it? We want to hide. So he's going to divert energy to the orbs Mike's looking at the wrong the orbs. the orbs okay I know what my stoker is doing right and now what we do is we get onto the piloting phase we're going to make helm checks I'm going to make a dice roll for somebody well basically what we're doing here is rolling initiative yeah right the higher you get the later you move yeah I'm going to roll uh, independently for these creatures or these things I've got 14s. Does Alessandra get her initiative bonus? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 12. So you go first. Now, this is the point at which you use your orbs. You can either use them directly before the movement or after the movement, but you must decide in advance what you're going to do. Do you want to know what the orb mm-hmm. people can do? Go on then. I want to know what orb I'm on. I can't remember. You're on the deception orb. Yeah. Right. So let's start with you. You can try and foil an enemy's targeting arrays and incoming projectiles by attempting an arcana check. It's an opposed check, so it's against the person operating the orb of sight on the opposing vessel. If you're successful, attackers aboard the target sub and torpedoes roll at disadvantage. So that's one thing you could do. Or you can deceive. You can use your orb to spin a false image of your sub. You make an opposed intelligence arcana check. If successful, you can confuse opposing scryers attempting to learn information or target systems. We'll come to that in a second. You may substitute one false piece of information when targeted by scry or target system. Got me? That one, then. So those are your two options of masker. Then if we look at what the uh, scryer person can do, you can either scan the opposing sub to learn information. 
You make an opposed wisdom perception check. If you can convince me that you should use a different stat to power that perception check, I'm perfectly happy to take it. It's an opposed check. If you succeed, I must give you a piece of information. Basic information, defenses, weapons, load, which is basically what the enemy vessel is kind of carrying and stuff, which may not be interesting to you in the least, or something else. It's called other. I don't quite know how that works. I'm on the wrong station. I'm on the wrong station. Do you want to switch stations? Yes. Well, obviously, uh, Sandra should be on the uh, scrying one. I've got plus seven perception. I've got plus two. Plus ten. This is all moving at kind of submarine yeah. combat speed. You're more than welcome to switch stations. We're not going to worry about I mean, what are, you, what are you on, Paul? Currently, I'm at the helm. What skills can you... You either go orbs and then the piloting, or you go piloting and then the orbs. Yeah, I think we do orbs first. I, th- I would say do scrying to find out what we're up against. Okay, the other things that you can do as the scryer is you can use eldritch accuracy. You can boost one of your subs' attacks this round by making an opposed wisdom perception check. If you're successful, the selected attack is at advantage. Who's got or the you can target wisdom. a specific system on an enemy sub. You must attempt a wisdom perception check. It's an opposed check. If you succeed, you choose one system, helm, propulsion, life support, or weapons. And the next attack made by your sub that hits the enemy ship scores a hit on the chosen system. Graham's got plus five wisdom. Plus. Those are your orb actions. For the moment, I don't think we need to get into piloting actions. You're basically driving the thing around. Yeah. Piloting doesn't seem to chair. require... A, you have a helming check. What what ability do you use for your helming check, Mike? I think that's... Dexter, well, it's dep- I'm prepared to accept either dexterity or intelligence. Intelligence, oh dear. Intelligence, I don't think oh anybody's... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think it's partially a physical activity of deftness at the controls. I mean, Alessandra is famously very deft with a knob in her hand. <laughs> it's to do with application Jesus of intelligence Christ. to make the right manoeuvres and to kind of see how things... Right? I think so it's Paul, not necessarily what's your, what's your dexterity thing. bonus? Plus three, but I'm just checking something, which is class features. Whenever you make an ability check that lets you add your proficiency bonus... Yeah, so I will always get, on dexterity, I'll always be getting a 13 or higher. Always. Because I can't wrong below a 10. The DC of a helming check is 15 plus... Mike said... I guess that's one and a half. So if you've got the best perception, you should probably be on scrying. Well, again, my perception is going to be... 10. Plus 10. I'm going to hit a minimum of 20 every single roll on perception. So you should be on scrying. Yes. It's my absolutely... Apart from stealth, it's my number one. Yeah. Dexterity, I'm plus two. What are you, Johnny? Plus two. So you should go on the helm. Okay. And then we've got masking, which is effectively an arcana check. Yeah. Which I'm shit at. Graham has plus naught, so he's shit at it. Arcana, minus one. Minus one. So I should probably do that one then. I should do masking. I'm still shit at it, but it's better than anybody else. What was stoking? Is that Graham's on that, is he? Graham's on that. He's got plus five wisdom. Yeah. This is going to be fine. Right, so, All right. orb phase. Do you want to use your orbs? I want to know about your pair of orbs, Dan. You want to... Well, I'm going to enlarge my orbs. Um, <laughs> okay. I, I want to swell my orbs. <laughs> okay. You're going to no, I'm going to dangle... You're going <laughs> to dangle my orbs. If I'm on masking, I'm going to try and... Uh, deceive the enemy. Okay, fine. Haven't we kind of got lost a bit? We were at the yes. helm <laughs> slash scrying stage. Yes, yeah, which is, we have, which is we the helm phase. But we haven't got lost. Mask, masking is also in that phase. Yes, during the helm phase, you make a piloting check. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And the two crew members managing the orb of sight and yep. orb of deception get to act. They either yep. both get to act before the piloting check or after, after the piloting check. You must decide now. Yeah, we'll do it before. Okay. And so Alessandra's well, not at the helm. She's on the scrying. Orb. Right. Um, Buggy's. What does she want to do? Buggy's on the helm, right? Yeah. Buggy's on the helm. Which orb first? Well, I'm going to fondle my orb first. Your left orb or your right orb? Well, it doesn't matter. I always find one is heavier than the other. Yeah, yeah, it's slightly bigger. I'm going to use my orb to make a masking check, which is kind of irrelevant, but I'm going to do it anyway. Right, and it's opposed. Should I roll in secret? Is that more fun? It's up to you. I've got a 13. I have to roll in secret, don't I? Okay, and I'm adding a number to my arcana check. Yeah. If I was to use my orb of sight to try and learn something about you, you could basically lie. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay, next, what do you want to do with orb your... Orb of scrying. Orb of sight, it's called, not orb of sight. Oh, read the rules. Orb, orb. Yeah. Sight. I would, what information can I find out about? Not so. We've got the systems information. Then what else? You got basic information. Yeah. How many crew? What kind of ship yeah. it is? What kind of vessel it is? You've yeah. got what its defences are, armor class, and then on this rules you've got something called a TL. That's effectively its armor class for tracking weapons. How difficult is it to pick up its signal when you're firing a torpedo at it? Mm -hmm. And you could see how many hit points it's got in its hull but not hit points in other systems you could learn information about one weapon what shall I look at do we know that all three of them are ships we don't know anything about them at all shall I just get basic information first just go for basic information so which of the traces are you picking on your orb of sight I'd go for the single one middle one go for the single one go far the left single one. yeah, yeah. alright I'll go far left so I'm just going to okay roll you're going to make an opposed okay check and that, that is, right. oh god, well that's going to be a 30. I'm going to roll uh, a hidden roll for my, uh, whatever that is. Okay. <laughs> um, I think in that instance I'm going to give you two pieces of information <laughs> based upon my roll. And it's, I've got a critical. <laughs> and your roll. Yeah. I think that's fine. In the Starfinder rules it's every five you exceed by you get more than one piece of information. Yeah. So I think I can tell yeah. you that what you're looking at, it is a submersible. Yeah. It's smaller than your thing. Mm. Yeah. It's smaller than your thing, Paul. Well, so, we're so many things are smaller microscopic. than Microscopic. So um, many things are smaller than my thing. Yeah. Atoms, <laughs> quarks. Let me list them. Please. <laughs> yeah, we're waiting. Grapefruit. <laughs> what an odd <laughs> choice of shape, Paul. Yeah. Wine decanters. <laughs> <laughs> That's an even weirder choice of shape. <laughs> so you can have one piece of basic information. Yeah. You think it's faster than your ship. Yeah. Then you can learn either something about its defences, something about its weapons... Or you can name another thing, and at discretion, Weapons, I will tell you what it is. It is also armed with torpedoes. I oh, thank you. That's both orbs. That's both pulsating. Yeah, we both the orbs. orbs. Yeah. So now, piloting. Who's sitting at the pilot's chair? Buggy. buggy. Me. Buggy. Me. Okay, Buggy, you can make a piloting check, and depending upon success, you can give yourself a bit more speed. No. So, so sorry. Dozing. <laughs> <laughs> there are three yeah, don't blame me things out there. Is that right? Oh, you're yes. kidding me. How how far is are they? <laughs> they are... Well, you can see them in hexes. In feet. We don't know. Feet? Doesn't matter. No, don't worry about that. Any idea? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't make any difference. It's abstracted into hexes. Move us four squares to the northwest. If you make a piloting check, you can move a little bit faster. Move six. Yes, but I was thinking more about control water, 300 foot range. Let's not get into that, Johnny. That might break the system. <laughs> I think we can all agree. 
That would really... My God. I don't know. It might do something against an incoming torpedo. Yes, we'll, we'll worry about that when things are close yeah. enough. These hexes are abstracted, but they're large distances. They're, they're probably... More each one is probably 100 feet. Okay. Right, exactly. All right. Okay, well, I'll use a dexterity check so, Johnny, to... Um, sorry, we. what are we saying? Avoiding these things? Okay, what we're saying is that we move four hexes, torpedoes move eight. So in theory, they're, in their round, they're going to be able to move four and fire a torpedo eight, so 12 hexes. So we want to stay more than 12 hexes away from them. I'm assuming that's their speed. They may be faster than that, but or slower, but... Okay. Uh, the well, one to our well, left, well, the one to our north west is faster than us and has torpedoes we don't know about the other two i would head towards it we can't do very much about that so we should probably engage it they may well be slower so i would move us four to the northwest four hexes okay let's do that that's can i increase speed though instead yeah if you do a dex check dc 15 dex check here's the dc why why do that though doesn't get us anywhere except closer to them uh this Dan wanted the captain. But we could move we could move a portion, fire the torpedo, and then turn away. You do your movement and then you do your firing. Oh, okay. Okay, so we're trying to stay twelve hexes away from these things. For now, we've got to see what they do. Yeah. Alright, well I'll, we I'll head twelve well, hexes to the sort of northwest. You can move four. And a dex roll. Right. Okay, on we go. Are the torpedoes tracking weapons or not? Torpedoes are tracking weapons. Are the torpedo... Yes. So what happens is that they run to the end of their range. When they run to the end of their range, they must reacquire and then keep going. So the further away you fire a torpedo from, the more checks you have to make to guide it to its target. Your torpedoes are inhabited by miniature segments uh, (laughs) bestowed upon them by the hearth spirit. And the captain can encourage them with a charisma check to give them a bonus when they're making their rolls to reacquire a target. There you are. I just invented that rule as we were going. Then I should be captain. Well, whatever. <laughs> the person, I'm good. gunnery person can do it. Charisma I'm good at is the one thing that I'm good at. We can make exceptions. Whatever's fun, as long as it doesn't involve us having to grab whole things that don't make sense on the fly. Right, anyway, Johnny, you've moved. I've moved. Yep. Uh, uh, dexterity save, is that worth doing? Or what do I no, do nothing what, else. Do I add another couple of We things? don't want to get okay. far. I, speed's good, isn't it? No, because it'll take us closer to them. But unless you go past okay. them anyway, have we? Yeah, but I'm going to do a bit of stuff. Let's see what they're going to do. We lost see the initiative. See what they do. We don't... Know, yeah, we lost the initiative, so they go second. Yes, it's backwards. Right, I'm going to do some stuff with orbs and the like. Can whoever is running your orb of deception give yeah. me an arcana check? Nice. Okay, you failed, the, you failed the opposed check. Failed the opposed check. Doesn't make any difference. Right, on we go. Also, my orb of masking is going to do something, if I have one. <laughs> okay. Can the person managing your orb of sight yeah. uh, make a perception check? Okay. Ooh. Hello. 20. Okay. You don't know what happened there, but something. Then we go into movement for these things. Let's start with this one. Whoa. The two that are to your north. Yeah. I'm... East. East. They're moving very Move fast. Move very quickly. Eight hexes each. Rather than heading straight towards you, they've headed sort of south and further east so that they're skirting you directly to your east. The yeah. other trace, the one that's by itself, will make a roll. This doesn't need to be a secret roll. Huh. Moves really pretty quickly. 
and is going to close in on you from the northwest. And now we go to the gunnery phase. Yeah. Who's managing your armaments? I am. You've got two options. You can either use the chomper. I can't see you using the chomper. Or you can fire up to two torpedoes. Yeah. They've got a movement of eight. But they, we haven't seen any signs of them firing All the gunnery is done at the same time, Lucas. So my question just to everybody is... You have to declare your gunnery actions first. Are we going to assume that they are going to attack us? We're going to have to assume that they're going to attack us, Luke. Or... Yeah? They could just be coming in to escort us in to Frostanger. I mean, this is Marcus Doombringer's ship. Yeah, you know, sort of like... I would put money on the fact that they're coming to attack us. The northwestern trace, the trace that was moving more slowly and moving towards you, we're going to call red. Mm-hmm. And then the two mm-hmm. traces that are off now almost directly to your east, moving much faster, we're going to call pink and orange. How else do you damage the other ships if you've only got eight torpedoes? Well, you could close to close range and use the chomper. Oh, is he? Let's not prejudge the scenario. Except they're faster than us. Let's just see what happens. Mm-hmm. Right, I wouldn't fire yet. It's your call, Lucas. if we've got to get to the top of the map, we aren't going to sink these ships with the eight torpedoes that we have. So we could potentially use the torpedoes to keep them away from us, to fend one side off. Makes sense to want to avoid the, the double ships. Do we think that we can hit torpedoes with torpedoes? Like, I've really worked out that rule, Lucas. Because that would be the case for waiting another round, because even if they fire torpedoes this round... I don't think we're talking about Patriot They're going to move eight. No, no is the answer. Okay. Not don't we just want to keep moving, so we, we're always in between. We want them flanking, so they're not going to keep firing torpedoes at each other, because they might hit their own thing. So we just want to keep moving, so we're always in between them. I don't know about that. Torpedoes they're don't guided. just go in a straight line. Yeah, they're guided. They're guided. Yeah. They're either Make locked roll, or they're not. Using either your intelligence they're or your charisma or your dexterity when you deploy the torpedoes. You're trying to hit a number. If you hit the number, they start heading okay. towards the target. If they don't make it to the target in one turn's worth of movement... You have to roll again for the next the next round. Yeah. Yes. Right. And I think it's straight okay, So Dan's for no. John we've is only for got no. eight torpedoes, we want to um, close to within eight before we fire them, ideally. So we don't have to make two rolls or more. Potentially more. The faster ships might be um, lighter and smaller and easy to be chomped. This is true. So you could go straight at them. Yeah. If you can catch them. If you can catch them. They move eight, we move four. I would save the torpedoes, we've only got eight of them. Is that it for your gunnery phase? Is there anything else I can do on my station? No, that's it. Sorry. Okay. Well, they are going to deploy some torpedoes. Your orb of sight picks up two traces. Let me put two torpedoes on the board. I need a torpedo figure. How difficult can that be? What is Okay. This comes up as torpedo when I search. There we go. Okay, well, that's going to be a torpedo. <laughs> and so... And <laughs> so what is this? That? I don't know. Some sort of goblin with green trousers on. I'm going to make a roll for the first one. Ooh. Your armor class is 14 and your target thingy is 14, right? But their scrying number was not good enough. Okay, so the first one, it looks like it's not acquired you. It's just wandering off. It's just going to randomly kind of just head off. Next one. Oh, that's enough. It's heading straight for you. Go to the top of a new round. Engineering phase. Stoker phase. Does Sessions want to use his engineering action, his stoking action? He wants to boost the speed. So divert wants to divert power to add two to our speed. Okay, so it's a DC 14 
wisdom check. Okay. Shall I roll? Yeah. yeah go for it. Yeah. Oops. Uh-oh. Okay, that's the engineering phase. My engineering <laughs> phase. I'm going to do something. There's no reason for me to roll behind the screen. Was. And we move on to initiative. I'm making a roll for red. Gets. I'll roll. Mm-hmm. That's better. Twenty-four. Pink and orange get. Okay. In order, we start with order. The red thing. Order. Order. It's sort of moving round to your west. These things don't move very far. They stay to your east, sort of bracketing you. Get the sense that they're kind of keeping their distance. They've had ample opportunity to zoom into you, but they're staying away. They also haven't fired or done anything like that. That's my movement. Now I'm going to do my orbage. The scryer is going to make an eldritch accuracy roll. Whoever is running your orb of deception, I'm making an opposed check against you. Okay. I get a uh-huh, and you get a, it's an arcana check. Yeah. <sighs> Just rolled Ooh. off the 20. Okay, That's I'm going to get advantage on attack rolls made against you in the next gunnery phase. The attack I'm picking, obviously, is the torpedo that's on its way to you. Okay. And then my orb of deception, I'm going to make a roll. Somebody make, give me an arcana check, the orb of sight. Who's Alessandra? Alessandra, give me an arcana check. Does it have to be arcana? Can it be something else? It has to be arcana, but you don't have to use your intelligence to drive it if you can give me a reason why it shouldn't be. Right, you can't. So let's just... (laughs) (laughs) Don't know what we're doing. (laughs) If you're not proficient in arcana, you're just rolling a d20. You are? Okay, so what's your arcana bonus? Plus one. I get a 14. Okay, fine. I know what that means. Next, we move on to you guys. Note there was no orb stuff from the other two traces. Okay. It's your piloting and orbness rounds. You can do them in either order. Well, I, I think I'm going to do a scrying sight check. Because last time I found out about its torpedoes and its general basic information. I would target one of the other the other two to find out what they are. Shall I? Yeah, Alright, yeah. I'll, I'll target pink. The pink. Let's find out what pink yeah. is. Okay. Okay, uh, make your roll. That's a 20. It is some kind of large organic life form. That's why they move so fast. Octopus. Okay, so we don't have to worry oh. about it. It hasn't got any range. Giant squid. I'm going to try and do the Eldritch Cloak. So it's an opposed arcana check. It's basically the yes. same thing the other way around. So he's currently advantage. If I win that, I'm assuming I negate his advantage. That's precisely exactly the way that I designed it. <laughs> with my brilliant rules brain. Um, I can't see what that is. <laughs> what the fuck is that? <laughs> it's a transparent dice. It's a 20. Uh, fine. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, we'll see. In your uh, what's face. next? You've got to move. Well, you don't have to move, but I'm gonna yeah, move. you can move. I'm going to move four, yeah? Yeah, move us away from that torpedo. Keep us... Unless you want to make a piloting check to up your speed. Yeah, I'll make a piloting check. Plus two dexterity. Yeah, I think we said it was a DC 14 check. Yes. yes. You make it. You can add another couple of another squares of movement. Two. So I'm sort of heading in Running a northeast direction torpedo. away from the torpedo. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <You got laughs> towards okay, the north end of the lake. Right. At disadvantage for the torpedo that lost its track. Rolling against the 14, which is your target lock number. 
first roll is not enough. I'll still be honest next so time. So it doesn't matter. And then the one that's on your track, rolling a straight roll, because Dan's countermeasures were successful. It's actually turning out to be quite fun. Mm. Oh, it's enough. It moves one, two, three, four, five, six. It's, oh, it's with about four hexes of you. <laughs> it's closing in. Right, it's your gunnery phase. So this is where we would want to target the other torpedo, isn't it? Yeah, but you, I don't think we can get into that. Oh, what? That's outrageous. You can't target other torpedos in Starfinder. Ship That's outrageous. In comes the torpedo. So 10d6 of damage. Release chaff. If I roll a 20, well, that's what countermeasures are. If I roll we a got 20, kind of shields that we can move around? No, that's Starfinder. Right, so it doesn't happen. Here you've got hull points, which are just ablative right. structural thumpiness. Okay. What do you want to do? Well, now we know the other two are marine creatures. Might be worth firing a couple of torpedoes. Yeah, although your previous argument was we needed to be within it. I mean, that's going to be at least, if that thing moves, yeah, but it's going to be at least Squabbling one, breaks two, out on the bridge. No, it's a discussion. Like, the the, the, the no, previous just, discussion was because disgusting. we didn't know that the other two weren't also ships. Yeah. Now we know that they're not also ships. We really only have one target potentially to worry about. It's still Zachary Quinto against Chris Pine, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on the gunnery, yeah. so, yeah, I think I'll zip off two... The loo. Torpedoes oh. in direction of red. Go for it. I know the number you're trying to hit. It's an attack roll, but you can substitute your intelligence. No, no, I'm going to use my defeat. Okay, off you go. Can I? No, you can't. No, no you only can't. Add my, is it no. only my proficiency? It says here the base attack bonus, but that obviously that's... No, don't uh, worry about that. You're reading rules. something from another thingy. Just and don't break that magic, Lucas. You're making an attack roll, which is... That would be... A... 15. Okay, you can move your first torpedo as you wish in the direction of the red trace. It has locked on. Well, plonk it there on a line between us and it. You can have green torpedoes. That's a good idea. Yeah. Like that? It's close enough? Yeah. Right? And the second one. Yeah. Okay, make a roll. Two, yeah? Off so that's the a one. 14. 14. Also mm. good enough. Just put it... Like that. Okay, that's yeah. Fine. Enemy approaching. Six mic. There you go. And we move on to the engineering phase. My engineer is going to try and increase movement. Okay, what are you going to do with your engineering phase? Same. Move faster. What's the target? It's a 14, isn't it, that we want? Yeah, Come 14. On. Oh, it's enough! It's huh? enough. It's enough. You can move it's six. Enough. Where are you oh, going? Away. Directly away. <laughs> the torpedo as it comes in brilliantly. But you can't move... If you move six straight up... Well, let's and let's make let's make our let's make our initiative rolls. Red is sixteen. Okay, well, I'll keep moving in a northeasterly. Orange and pink. Oh. Fourteen. So we get ten. You go first. Six. Yeah, you can add to it, can't you? Yeah, I'll. Oh yeah, yeah. Johnny can also make a roll. Add two to this. Yeah. Sixteen. Yes. Oh, that's enough. Eight movement. Up to there. Okay. So still heading in the northeasterly line. Yeah. Away from the torpedoes. I forgot to fire more torpedoes. I know you did. Damn it. <laughs> there could be some more of these submarines that we detected. Might be all in the three things out here. Well, there's a sort of passive arrangement with the orb of sight. If anything was to come in with its orbs activated, you would immediately you know see it. it. Right. Who knows what's out there? For my action, my tickling of the orb. Your orbing. My orbing. 
Gentle yeah. stroking. I'm going to do Eldritch Accuracy. Opposed okay. perception check. Make your roll. I'm making my roll behind the screen. I've got a number. Uh, I get a 20. Okay. Uh, you've succeeded. So that's advantage on the next roll to target. Yeah. yeah. You pick a weapon. Which one? Uh, can I pick... North or south torpedo? North. I'll do the north. north. Okay. Anybody on the Orb of Deception want to do anything? Yes, I'm going to try a mask check. Uh, well, an Eldritch Cloak. 17. Making a roll. <coughs> okay. So I'm at disadvantage. Is that correct? If you want to target me, yeah. The next slowest are these creatures. They start tracking you, following up. Yeah? They. You get a general idea. Whereas this thing... It might not be as neutral as we thought. Is worried about your torpedoes. It's going to go one, two... Mm, 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 and then it's going to make a piloting roll. Hitting... Oh, bollocks! And then Orbness, it's going to make a deception roll to try and... We'll do this out in the open. Oh dear, that's not that high. It's an opposed check. You make your perception check with your orb of sight. Oh. 20. Okay, it failed to mask itself. And then my orb of sight is going to make a roll to try and gain... Try and negate our... Yeah, exactly. Oh, damn it. Oh, is it me that... Okay, I've got a number that you're trying to hit. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) Okay, so now we go into the gunnery phase, starting with you. Your green torpedoes, you've got to make two checks. I think you're making them at... Advantage. advantage. I failed one to negate your advantage. One's at one advantage. of them's at advantage. No. The northern yeah. one. The DC is 14. Oh, dear. Uh, advantage. advantage. Oh, shit. Roll low, roll low. Oh, damn it. 19. Okay, so the first one zooms in, and then the southern torpedo, just a straight roll. Yeah. 14. Which worked last time. Damn it. Closing in. That's not good. <laughs> <laughs> right. Gunnery phase for me. And this torpedo is rolling at disadvantage. Wait a minute, wait, right? yes, wait a minute. Luke, do you want to shoot some more torpedoes? No, I thought about that, but then I, I think two would be. Why? Why wait? I think we should save the rest. It's taking out the guns, mate, isn't it? Well, the two, two, these other two organic the other two organisms are tracking us. Dear readers, um, they are yeah, tracking us, but the, they're not doing anything. This thing has the to now in the northern section of our map. We've only got eight. We've only got eight. two torpedoes right yeah, out on the other they're side. They're not going to have uh, chasing after this mystery. They've only got hit points. They don't have. And then there are a two whole, enemy torpedoes in the water tracking after it. Any one of which is sort of not acquired the target. The other one is still tracking on them. Because um, two torpedoes isn't that. No We've got these two mysterious organic two more traces. There's no reason to wait. These two torpedoes will there, not there is reason won't to take wait it out. In the, we only have six torpedoes left. Yeah, but all we're doing is giving it an opportunity to find more torpedoes at it. it. Well, it might give up, and then we can carry on. Uh, don't think Apparently, it's the two torpedoes it sent to us are not going to catch us at this rate, unless we make some bad rolls. Mm. I'm kind of... There might be other greeblies further north. Yeah, I'm kind of with Lucas. I, I don't see the benefit. Yeah. Mm, okay. Unless, right, you're well. firing at, unless you're firing at the other two. No, I think you take out this one. Well, we don't know whether this will take out this we, one. Um, well, okay. I'm pretty certain they won't, but okay. I think we can always fire more. I don't think we're in a case that we have to We have to basically follow through with a Officer massive of the watch, attack. Take your sidearm, put this man in the brig. <laughs> what? Mike's gone a bit weird. Ignore him. Yeah. It happens from time to time. That's it. You're done. 
we're not right hiding. okay a disadvantaged torpedo which lost the thing and failed to make its roll last time we get rid of it right if it fails on the second acquisition attempt I think it's reasonable to say it fails my other torpedo is running at disadvantage doesn't it, doesn't it just fail if it fails once the rule I was applying was that if it was within a certain range it gets to roll at disadvantage to, to try and reacquire okay. with its little hearth spirit pilot fair enough yep. it's a bit of fun and the same is true for you this one has still acquired you. I know the number it needs. It's DC 14. It makes that roll, but it's rolling a disadvantage. Come on, come on, come on. I do. It's not enough. It fails to acquire you and starts wandering around. I'm going to roll a random direction on a D6. Clockwise, starting with the hex immediately to the northeast. That's not good news for it. It starts heading off down towards the south. It just loses its little brain. It doesn't know what it's doing. Fair enough. And then this thing might as well fire another couple of torpedoes. First torpedo, miss. Second torpedo. Also a miss. No one. Also You're going to go. You're going to go. You can pick them up on your orb of sight, but they just seem to be aimlessly squirgling around. It basically fucked that up completely. And we move on to a critical phase. This is very important. I think it can move far enough to get away from you, whatever happens. But let us move around to engineering. What would you like to do? If it's fast enough, it's going to get away from these torpedoes unless we can keep them going. But I, I if you fire another couple of torpedoes yeah, to north, we, we bracket it northwest. Yeah, if we move up and to the west, get some heading we can in then this fire direction. Some more, yes, I think when this starts to zip along, it's quite fun. Yeah, we've got to kind of keep it just ticking over relatively quickly. Yeah. The question is, are we far enough away from it now? But it doesn't really matter. Well, it's faster than us, and we've got a distance still to go. I just think if we fire torpedoes, we can keep it away from us. I think the organic creatures are for chomping armaments, close mm-hmm. combat. I'm wondering whether we shouldn't fire a torpedo at each of the creatures. Then we can do another torpedo on the other ship once we've seen which, which direction mm-hmm. it moves. Seeing as I've still got control of those two that I sent off, are they actually hostile to us? Well, they seem they to could be tracking be s- us, but they... They're sea monsters. They could be a MacGuffin, yeah. I, well, they're not attacking no, us, though, No, they're not they? yet. They could just be interested in us. Yeah. Yeah. That would negate the argument of I, I think another, another couple them. couple of torpedoes to try and keep the other ship away from us, and then we just peg it to the... Okay. Try and peg it up to the top of the board. Yeah. Yeah, we want to move straight north. Engineering. To make a roll. Okay. I think that's enough. What would you like to do in yours? Boost speed or what? Yeah. 16. That's enough. So you can move six instead of four. Yep. Let's roll initiative. Starting with my submersible. Getting a... Pull. 20. And then rolling for the organisms. Ooh, 20. 20. Starting with me, the submersible. It did get some more speed out. It's running from the torpedoes. It basically bugs out to the northeast. What about your movement? Johnny? Ten. Not enough. So you've moved so six. Sort yep. of gone mostly north. Slightly north. Yeah, understood. The two organisms move to track you, but they don't get any closer. They seem to be very wary, keeping their distance from you. What's the deal here? Okay. You're just trying to get away from these things, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think we're retreating. Which we're just You're heading slightly offended get by, off the board. By yeah. mm. Ultimately, our mystery submersible is going to keep running from your torpedoes. 
it may be that your torpedoes catch up with it and destroy it, but by the time they do so, you won't really know. Yep. Mm -hmm. The two organisms don't close any further in, but if you start heading north and away from all of this little encounter, they just don't bother you again. And we don't see the other ship. The other ship, at the speed that it moves and your torpedoes move, it's going to be a while before they catch it up. I think it's going to be out of the range of your orb of sight before that particular situation is resolved. So we can leave that as a bit of a mystery. Okay. I quite enjoyed coming up with rules on the fly. That was all right. You head north. That was fun. Towards, yeah, it was all right. Yeah. If we had to tweak that, maybe the movement isn't quite right. It's quite difficult to catch people. Maybe torpedoes should move faster. Bump them up to 12 or something. Yeah. To make it a bit more fun. And well, you should uh, be able we to. You should be able to boost the speed of a torpedo in the, instead yeah, of your, you instead of your ship. Yeah, I'm not sure if we're ever going to revisit this set of circumstances, but if we do, we've got a basis of something. Mm. Okay, you head north. I think that you're in the environs of Froshtanger by the morning of the next day. It is Thump Day, the 11th of Fart. As you approach Froshtanger, you've kind of got a decision to make. Let us move you to a different map. Ta-da! Nice. It's a great-looking map. It is. Now, somebody give me an intelligence investigation check. 26. Nice. Burple, as you rifle through your mind the scant information you know about Frostanger, also comparing it with what you're seeing as you're approaching through the orb of sight... You can see that there are two distinct sets of dockyards. Mm. One of them seems to be high status on the main central island. And your understanding is that those are the dockyards, the jetties and landing points and wharves that service this central island of Frosthanger, which bears Zeech's palace and all of that. Then you have a separate set of wharves and dockyards that serve a subsidiary island that look a little bit more... I think the word I would use would be relaxed. A bit more low status. Yeah. By the way, there is another dockyard that you pass as you work your way into the anchorage and the harbouring around Froshtanger. That is one that sits south of a little island out by itself. Mm. That looks a bit weird. Something is going on there. Doesn't look like normal civilian traffic. The vessels there look armoured and it looks like there's not normal civilian toing and froing around it. That's all right, I'm going to we'll, say. We'll attack yes. the island. Yeah, so you just fire some torpedoes and then launch all your torpedoes at the island. Okay, so the island is going to move first. Okay. Would you like to pick the relaxed docks or high status? status, Well, this is the point. When you were talking to Markush, the reason that he suggested you took the Crimson Spot Copter was because status is everything in Frustanger. So you're balancing, really, whether or not you want to make a song and dance of your arrival, but it might be like trying to sort of park your boat in Monaco. Yeah. That's whatever what it is. To do. Yeah. Okay. You just want to basically brace and <laughs> turn yeah. up. Do you know who I am? Okay. The water around the anchorages, you notice it has got a coating of ice. This far north, on this shore of the Lake of the Cold Sky, it is still winter. As you surface, you break through a thin layer of surface ice. Your little miniature conning tower pops above the surface. Mm-hmm. Your orb of sight gifts you a view of a bustling wharf. There are high-status vessels being laden and unladen. There seem to be customs officers and guards monitoring the dockside. On the surface, you can ghost your way in to one of the empty berths. We just surface right next to the empty berth. (laughs) As you do so, on your character sheets, 
can you open up a new notes field or whatever? We're going to start oh, tracking yeah. a new statistic for your characters called authority points. Each one of you, including sessions, has just gained two authority points as you arrive in your high-status, big-noise, make-a-fuss vehicle. Yep. But as you surface near that empty berth, two things happen. The first thing that happens is that swooping out of the sky comes a figure that looks like one of those awful twisted angels that <laughs> bedeviled you during your exploration of the ziggurat. It cuts a quick curving arc over the harbour, over the wharves, but it's clearly been triggered by your surfacing and your presence. The second thing is that striding out onto the edge of the jetty, looking extremely cross, is a large fur-wreathed, armoured, hobgoblin guard. And it says, What on earth do you think you're doing all with that here? And we will find out <laughs> what that means, what's going to happen with that guard, what life is like in Frostanger when we pick things up next week. Nice. Could we also find a slightly different accent yeah. as well for that person? Well, I was trying to work well, on this. I, I noticed you started with a V. <laughs> yeah, well, I was trying to work out on this because, uh, because I've got to come up with something for Hobgoblin and I thought I would go with the wide mouth. I think approach. <laughs> is a billowing hilltop production. Dungeons and Dragons is a trademark of Wizards of the Coast. The Prince of Red Hand and Age of Worms are copyright Paizo. The Prince of Red Hand was written by Richard Pett. Music is from Kevin MacLeod at Incompetech.com and is used with thanks under the Creative Commons license. Additional music and sound effects come from the wonderful Sirenscape. All other original material is copyright billowing hilltop. Role-playing games are all about getting people together and we use Roll20 as our tabletop, the perfect place to host your game and Discord to host our chat. Thanks for listening! Thank you.